Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. This one's going to be super helpful. It's going to help you as a parent come alongside your child and guide them into how to feel their feelings. I'm considering, and send me a message on Instagram if if this is appealing to you, I'm considering releasing um, maybe five five-minute episodes that I would do for your kids on their feelings, like me speaking to your children. Uh, Again, just short podcasts. Let me know if that's of interest. Otherwise, I'm going to continue to just speak to you. So before I get in too far, as always, a reminder that I have a parenting course that will change your life called Being a Happy and Connected Parent. You can Google that or you can go to beingahappyandconnectedparent.podia.com. Kind of interesting. Um, What I decided I'm going to do in January, and I actually just switched it today because we're almost in January, is I'm going to offer a 12-month payment plan, which brings the price down pretty low monthly. So check that out. What's kind of cool about it, too, is while you have access to the full course right from the get-go, there is 12 modules. So you could focus on a module a month. And really up-level your year, your parenting, and your relationships. I think it's one of the best things you can do for yourself. And honestly, what the price it's at right now is like 50 cents a day. So you can't go wrong there. Okay, Feeling Our Feelings podcast, helping our kids feel their feelings. Let's jump in. So on a podcast, of course, I have to speak in generalities. I don't know each of you. I don't know each of your kids. I don't know each of the parents you came from. So please always overlook that, uh, taper the advice to your situation, and see past things that don't make sense to you. As always, I think that people should be in taking information and putting it through a strainer of their personal experiences, what works for them, their body, their mind, and then Uh, they'll be left with really valuable things. So I assume that you're always doing that here and that you know that I can't speak to each individual circumstance nor give therapy through this platform. So I believe that while many of our parents have tried their best and we always need to honor their efforts and have gratitude, assuming they tried their best and we didn't have a horrific childhood, (laughs) it is my belief that many of the generation that raised us had limited emotional maturity. And sometimes you can see that now as they are 60-year-olds, 70-year-olds, fifty late 50-year-olds. Sometimes they act immature and it's shocking, right? When you're an adult yourself and you're thinking, what? I thought you were the adult. But there was less information on emotional maturity back then. So everyone did their best, but there was a lot of, that's enough, stop that now. Just kind of parenting where things were shut down you know, emotions, behavior was just shut down instead of understood. So in order for our parents to feel better, they needed us to feel better and get over it. They they really didn't know how to allow, many didn't know how to allow for emotion without getting caught up in it. And as such, so many now um, don't know how how to feel and process and then move on from big feelings to ones that, to thoughts and feelings that feel better for us. So this has resulted in a society where we really try to buffer our feelings. We use food, drugs, overuse of substances, sexual addictions, perfectionism. Really, it goes on and on. And that's an attempt to not have to feel quote unquote negative emotion. I prefer to call it uncomfortable emotion because I don't think it's negative. 
I do sometimes use the words interchangeably because I know as an audience of listeners, the word we're most comfortable with is, or um, most commonly used is negative emotion. But I do prefer uncomfortable emotion. (laughs) Anyways, I feel strongly that it's up to us now to gain some better emotional health. It's time. So if you weren't nurtured when you were young, you actually can be lacking a lot of the internal circuitry needed to regulate yourself. And so you could be struggling more. This really raises its head when we become parents and we tend to need to be regulated in order to help our children regulate. And what happens is we notice that we kind of come up short, right? It's like that circuitry isn't there. And so that actually is a great segue into starting in sometime in January, I'm going to be releasing a, sorry, I didn't mean to do a commercial right here, but I think it's really important. It's going to be called being a happy and connected you where I do a series of series, a series of modules on processing overwhelm, disappointment, reparenting yourself, anxiety, inner self-talk. These will all be different episodes, modules that you can buy at a lower price point than my parenting course bit by bit. So really a reparenting yourself series. I'm beyond excited about it. But anyways, this is why I think it's important. This is why I'm putting it out there because some of that circuitry can be missing. So we learned, we we didn't learn how to cope. We often learned how to deny our feelings. And so there's a struggle now that we're in this role as parents. So often if your parents didn't accept and honor your feelings, but rather dismiss them and, you know, you're fine, you're fine, you likely don't honor your feelings now. And feelings buried alive never die. Friends, they bubble up. You now dismiss and ignore your feelings until you either crumble or blow up. You didn't learn how to feel and self-soothe yourself. And it's possible possible because you grew up being dismissed instead of self instead of soothed. So again, not learning what that soothing looks like. You also possibly didn't learn how to speak your needs. I like to tell my kids, speak your needs to me. And I try to model doing the same. Like, what are your needs right now? Can you meet your own needs? Do you need help meeting them? Do I need to meet them? But often when our feelings were so denied in childhood, we really can't even recognize them, let alone meet them. And then here we are as parents in a very self-sacrificing role and we get resentful. We lash out, we blame others, or we internalize it and it becomes guilt, shame, and struggling. Okay. So when when our parents shut down our feelings as you're fine, it's people have it worse. We learn that parts of us are unlovable or shameful. And as such, so many people believe that they must achieve in order to be worthy. And that's a real toxic journey. We feel that love is earned and it's not. We're born lovable. Babies are lovable. Nothing they can do can make them more lovable, right? So our parents, most of them, of course, did their best. But we need to take it to that next level and do our best for our kids. And that includes teaching them emotional literacy. So I want to talk about why it's important while I talk about how I try to cultivate this in my children. So referencing back to my parenting course, link in the profile below, um, I have a little chart that's super cute. And the point of it is to help your kids start to name their feelings. Giving them this emotional literacy piece lets them be able to name it 
to tame it eventually, right? So it gives them that emotional intelligence at a young age, which lets them know that they are not their feelings. Their feelings are their feelings. The feelings are the things on that poster in my course that they can point at. Like, oh, I'm feeling this, not I am this. So they'll learn that feelings rather come and go and their experiences, their messages, and really they're just a real clear indication of what we're thinking, okay? They can learn that no feeling is forever. It's just a moment in time and that we can feel and process any emotion without being at the mercy of it or always being reactive to it. Now, this takes time. We cultivate this, which means it isn't instantaneous, right? It takes time. But what does that mean? If our kids have emotional literacy or emotional maturity or resiliency, what does that mean? Well, it means they can be brave because the worst thing that could ever happen to us is to have to feel and process a negative or a tough emotion, such as shame or grief or embarrassment. And once we feel resilient and we are strong in our confidence, in our confidence of our ability to feel emotion, once we know that we can feel and it passes, then we can be brave. Once we are practiced in knowing that, hey, I don't die from feeling uncomfortable emotions, we can become so resilient and honestly so wildly brave. We become vulnerable. We become emotionally intelligent. We can cope. And when I'm saying we, I'm saying our kids. So when my kids were little, we would use the poster a lot to identify the feelings. And now that my kids are a little bit older, we don't use the graphic as much because they're very familiar with the words, uh, the feeling words. But when I'm going to kind of explain what I do as I'm explaining why it's important. When one of my children is having a big emotional reaction, there's a million situations, of course. Like sometimes this can look like they storm off. Sometimes they're, you know, melting and down on the floor. Sometimes it comes more as anger, right? But I try to name it. I really try to name it for them if they can't name it for themselves. Um, and even if they can, sometimes right in that moment, they can't. And so let's just say I have a child that's having a big reaction in front of me. And I can say, oh, wow, you're feeling such anger right now. Or, oh, you're feeling so disappointed. You wanted to go with dad. You love being with dad. You're feeling so angry. You didn't want to have to do online school. This is hard. So it's naming it and it's coming in with empathy. There's plenty of time for teaching later. Come first with empathy. Connect before you correct. So this think about what you would want done to you if you were having a big reaction as an adult. You don't want someone being like, why are you acting that way? You want someone saying, you're sad or you're feeling sad. I prefer when it's detached, but sometimes you just say it as blunt as you can. So naming the emotion is step one. Step two, sometimes you need a little time here so that you can have a conversation. If your kid is screaming their head off, you don't try to, now what are you feeling in your body? But there is a time for this. So we let our kids know that feelings come from our thoughts and while it's our brains creating this, and now sometimes, side note, that can be hormonal, it can be chemical, and that is very different. That is, um, go see a medical doctor. <laughs> um, but for what I'm speaking about here, I'm talking about your average 
reaction, okay, is from our thoughts. And so while we can teach our children your feelings come from your thoughts, we also can simply validate them. So we need to let our kids know that feeling uncomfortable emotions or commonly known as negative emotions it's not a problem. It's very normal. We don't need to get away from that feeling. It's simply a vibration in our body coming from something that we're thinking. And it doesn't need to be pushed away. We can sit within that feeling. And sometimes that will cause stomach aches, right? Our, our bodies can have a really dramatic physiological reaction. If it's anxiety, we can be sweating. So sometimes really strong emotions can cause a, a physical reaction. Sometimes people will vomit from fear even. So we talk about it. We find it in our body. Step one is name, name to tame. Step two is going to be finding it in the body. So what does that look like? So sometimes that's as simple as, again, when the child is calmed down a bit, where did you feel that anger in your body? Was it in your shoulders? Were they tense? Did your head feel hot? Um, I ask lots of questions. What does it feel like for you? You know, for me, anxiety feels like this. Questions you can ask, is it, where is it in your body? Is it sharp or is it dull? Does it wiggle or is it a constant feeling? Is it hot or is it cold? Does it feel stuck or does it feel more like a shooting, you know, pain? As we say that, as we find it in our bodies and breathe into it, like, oh, yeah, sharp, deep breath. It's almost wiggling in there and stabbing. Ah, I counseled someone who held their fear in their hands. My hands just pulsate. I tense them up. So we did some breathing where we wiggled the fingers. We released it. We let it go. That's the feel to heal. You've got to find it in your body. Now, you can teach that to your children totally separate too. And in fact, I encourage you to have a family night where you talk about feelings in your body. In the moment, it can look more like this. Deeply feeling that something was unjust. It's never fair. This child's brain does tend to look for situations where things are unfair. And I can do a whole ep other episode on how to respond to children that are getting stuck in certain thought loops. But for this moment, the child had ran up to their bed bedroom. Now, I didn't go right after the disappointed child. I went to my room and I took about three minutes and I deep br breathed, deep breathed as about to say, and I thought, nothing has gone wrong. I'm deep breathing. This child has allowed their reaction. Their feelings are real to them, to this child, this <laughs> unfair iPad sharing feels like a very big deal. And then I do what I, I, I did an Instagram about this. I go in love. So once I'm regulated, I go in love. So I approach the child, they're laying on their bed face down, crying, sobbing. And I start rubbing the back. And I say, step one, the emotion. You're feeling like this is unfair. You're feeling anger. You're feeling sad. And the child clarified, I'm feeling like it's unfair. Now, even in therapy, when you take a stab at the emotion, if you get it wrong, the client will correct it. The child is the same. It doesn't break the connection at all. It shows the child you're trying to understand. And the child clarifying 
um, just adds to the connection. Don't worry about naming the emotion wrong is my point. It's totally fine. What's going on for you here? You know, the child talked a little bit. It's just so unfair. Yeah, you feel it's unfair. You do. You feel like you never get a turn with that. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if so. Then I go to wonderment a little bit. But mostly I just stay in the emotion with them. Let's take some breaths. Where are you feeling this in your body? When it feels like something's unfair, where do you feel it? In this moment, I feel it in my hands. I want to um, slam my fist down. It's unfair. Yeah, it's unfair. And your fists want to slam. Does it feel hot in your fists? No. Light? No. Heavy? Yes, it feels so heavy. Let's breathe through that. Let's feel that heaviness. It feels unfair and my fists feel heavy. Does it feel sharp? Does it, you know, so you go on like this. Let's breathe through it. Let's release that feeling so we can talk more about it. Let's get that unfairness out. Let's see it. Let's feel it. And let's breathe it out. We can release it. And then we can get a plan together. So when I'm helping my kids feel things, we spend a lot more time in the land of feeling and validating and empathy than we do talking it through. That's because I really feel like once we've attended to the feeling and emotion, many, many, many times our kids can figure it out or they can just let it pass. Sometimes we are just disappointed and sometimes things just are unfair right? That's sort of this concept of holding space. I'm going to read to you a quote. Parker Palmer says, here's the deal. The human soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed, to be seen, heard, and companioned exactly as it is. When we make that kind of deep bow to the soul of a suffering person, our respect reinforces the soul's healing resources the only resources that can help the sufferer make it through. Often, back to me now, back to Riddell. (laughs) Thanks, Parker. Um, Often they can work through it themselves. Where they need help is allowing the feeling, okay? So there's such a big difference between feeling a feeling and acting out on it, right? And it's okay to let kids know that feelings come and go and ebb and flow and that sometimes our brains get hijacked by our lower brains and it feels so dramatic, right? There's some of that too. My brain is really reacting in this moment. I'll say that to my kids about myself. We need to remind our kids that feeling this emotion is what helps it pass, It's okay to cry. Crying is cleansing. Emotions are vibrations in our body that need releasing. So whether that's in an outburst or going on a walk or talking with someone or crying, the energy needs out. Or that we can open up to our feelings and emotions and allow them. Let them be there where they need to be and accept them and go look at them. Take a look at them. Imagine you got a microscope. No, not a microscope. What's it called? A looking glass. You know, the the circle. Magnifying glass. That's the name. You're scanning your body. Like, where is it in my body? We don't need to be in a hurry to get rid of our feelings. And that's sort of what our generation as parents was trained to do. It's like, shut that beep down, right? 
Like, get rid of that. No, we're teaching our kids the opposite. We want them to soften and open up to the emotion. Otherwise, we really turn into people that are trying to control everything and control the outside world because we're resisting simply feeling. The healthiest thing that we can ever do is feel. It, you can even hear me here, right? As we feel and open up and we're not mad that we have this emotion, we're finding it with the thing I just said, magnifying glass. We're looking at it. We're okay with it there and we're welcoming it to leave and we're breathing through. I'll leave you with one last kind of analogy here. Metaphor, analogy. Imagine you're cooking mac and cheese or you're curling your hair. I might have even said this on my last podcast, but you're busy doing something. And you got a toddler and they're tapping you, tapping you on the leg. Mom, 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 mom. You're like, yeah, 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 just a minute. You know, and you're doing what you're doing. That child's going nowhere. We all know that, right? So the child is the the feeling that wants to be felt or the thought that wants to be thunk. (laughs) Okay. You need to turn off the stove. You need to turn off the hair straightener, whatever you're doing. And you need to pick that toddler up. Hey, you have a message for me. What's up? In fact, I did say this on my last podcast. This is so important though. Glad I'm saying it again. Tell me what's going on. How are you feeling? Da, da, da. You have to look it in the eye. You have to acknowledge it. You have to literally pick it up. And then once it's attended to, it dissipates. Why? Because of brain science. Because our brain feels that it's important. Hey, issue here, danger here, feeling in our body here. It's going to keep bothering you with this because it feels it's important. So you need to take a look at it. Yes, brain. Thank you. Okay. Taking a look at the anxiety. There it is. There it is in my body. I'm feeling it because of this. Da, da, da. Once the brain sees you've attended to the feeling and or the thought, it actually does dissipate. And now if it's something very intense, like an incredible amount of grief, it's going to come back like a wave. So you do have to do this over and over again. But often with simple everyday things, once you take an honest look at it, it dissipates. And that's why no feeling is forever. I hope that gives you some starting points as to how to talk to your kids about their feelings, the language to use. I really encourage you to listen to this a couple times over to let it really sink deep into the brain um, with the examples I've given and kind of how my tone was. And I wish you the best of luck. Check out my parenting course and screenshot this and share it if you enjoyed it, if it helped at all. Thank you and see you next time.